And I kind of realized as my son got older, I said, you know, if I have grandchildren, am I going to tell them about some project I did at work? Like they don't, they're not going to understand it or care about it or anything. What do I want my legacy to be? And, and um, can I play somebody a song and make them laugh or smile or something? Or you know, really, I mean, I've never been able to, the last 20 years of my career, I couldn't explain to my friends or anybody or my family what I did. Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast, and I am Yvonne Marchese, your host. Today, I'm speaking with John Stewart of J. Stu Music. John retired early from a career in information security to pursue a lifelong dream to be a songwriter. And now he's released five albums since 2017. I'll let him tell you all about it. Let's go. Hey, John, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's exciting. (laughs) I am so excited. Oh my gosh. So first of, first of all, I just have to give a shout out to our whole crew at Remote Daily, uh, where I met you. Yeah. And uh, this is for, for those of you who maybe haven't heard me mention it before, I think I have. Um, it's this really cool daily talk show that we do. These days, it's Wednesday through Friday, and I'll put a link to show notes. Uh, if you guys ever want to come check it out, it is super cool. Um, so John, I was so excited to hear in one of our recent calls that you had your own pivot, uh, pretty recently from IT to music man. Last June. Um, yeah, I, in the last few years I was in information security, um, and I really got to the point where I felt like I could quit that and start songwriting full time, which is what I've wanted to do for a while. And, uh, and so far I'm loving it. That's awesome. I'm so happy for you. How long would you say you've been wanting to make the shift before you actually did it? Well, you know, music was always something that I could do as a hobby or in the background to something else, you know, and when I was younger, I kind of put it behind sports and other things. And then um, I, if for my first semester in college, I was a music major and it was a classical program and much too disciplined for me. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I'm very creative and, uh, to me, I could never, I could never learn a song or two without writing my own song. Um, that was always from, from the beginning when I learned songs, I was like, I want to do that. I, I didn't, I wasn't so much interested in learning the new songs, except for that that would teach me about songs in general. So it's really something I wanted to do my whole life, and I kept doing it, but it was a hobby, and sometimes 
there wasn't much time for it. So I'd say about six or seven years ago, I decided I'm, I got to get serious about this and I've got to learn more about songwriting and I've got and just the music business and songwriters and stuff. And I started going to songwriting retreats and workshops and studying things. And I was amazed at how little I knew after so many years of hmm. kind of writing songs, but I didn't know what I was doing. And some, sometimes that doesn't matter, but it's kind of nice to know what the rules are and how you're breaking them. And if you want to continue to break them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you can try different things. But um, so, so it was about that. And I, I went to, uh, I stumbled on a songwriting retreat hosted by Dan Byrne. And he, you know, at the time, uh, well, he's still one of my favorite songwriters. And I just, I thought, well, I've got to do that. Just, if not just to hear him play and talk and, and be around him. Um, and then there'll be other songwriters there and this will be, you know. And it, it was so amazing. And I kept sitting there thinking, yeah, at work, right? If I was at work right now, <laughs> so I had to take a week off from work. I was like, it would be so different. <laughs> wow. Um, and uh, I, there were times when I felt like a fish out of water kind of and, and stuff, but I, I was fascinated and it just, that, that really motivated me to, to work harder and, and uh you know go in that direction what was the fish out of water feeling about what how like how how did you not feel like you belonged when you were there um well and i found out later dan the way dan teaches and i've been to now three or four retreats where he's He's either run them or been a an instructor and you spend a day with him or whatever. And mm -hmm. he really likes to stretch you in new ways and get you to do things really quickly. Um, and, you know, he would say, like, I wrote a song with him during the retreat and he, he said, okay, everybody pair up. And I was lucky enough to get paired with him, but there were a lot of different exercises like this. And um, he said, okay, you got 20 minutes. It, it was like 15, but then you got a little grace period. And we wrote a song in 20 minutes. It, I didn't it, know that was possible. Right. That's <laughs> like, what? What did we just do? Was that Mrs. Benton's blues? Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. And, I was going to ask you about the origins of that one. And then, and then what happened was I kept working on the lyrics because we, we wrote one verse and a chorus. So I kept, I wrote two more verses and I kept tweaking them and, and changing the, the chorus each time to fit the new verse. And I would email him the lyrics and he'd go, oh, great, I love it, keep going. And 
you know, <laughs> I was hoping that he would work more with me and maybe he would record the song. But uh -huh. I realized he was, you know, he was pushing me in that, you know, in the direction to learn myself and do it myself. And, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, what, your wood, right? when I finally got it recorded, I sent it to him. And he said, oh, this is going on. He's got an internet radio program um, and an app that you can listen to it on and stuff. That's uh, cool. What's, um, so, I'm going to take a note on that. What's, what's the name of his, um, do you know it? It's called Radio Free Bernstein. Radio Free Bernstein. Yeah. All right. I'm going to put that in the show notes for everybody. So that's pretty cool. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, uh, you, I mean, so when you, when you first started playing music, I'm looking at like the, the bio I found for you um, and that you sent, you play piano, accordion, and other keyboards. So was piano when, is that your first instrument? No, accordion. Accordion. Really? Okay, okay, okay. Go back. Go back. I, that one right be, behind me. Really? So yeah. you started playing accordion, and that was, you were how old? Like 10, I think. Wow. And then when did you pick up piano from there? Well, so I'll give you a real brief history. What, so what happened was I had a good friend. Um, one of my best friends at the time was taking organ lessons. And he had this, his family had this double-decker organ with the pedals and everything. And he was really good. And uh, I was never that interested. And then he taught me how to play a song that was popular on the radio at the time. And I was like, wow that is so amazing that I can play that. And uh, I went home and, and asked my parents for, I said, you have to get an organ. <laughs> and they said, well, hold on. <laughs> and so my sister, my sister's eight years older than me, and she had played when we lived in Southern California, she had played the accordion. And I liked to, I I was born around the time that Weird Al Yankovic was born, um, just a few miles away from him, and really? an accordion was really popular. I think my sister was like in an accordion band, marching band, you know. Oh my gosh! And um, so they said, you know, your sister's old accordion is in the attic, and we'll get it down, and you can try that. And if you stick with it, we'll see. Yeah. And I started trying to play just the keyboard part like it was a piano. So my mom took me to an accordion teacher and they talked me into taking lessons. And, and I took lessons and I, you know, I loved it. Um, and when I, when I quit to play sports, the teacher tried to talk me. He spent the last few lessons, he would start out, you know, you love this, you're going to be doing it your whole life, you're writing songs, you're doing, you know, basketball, how long are you going to be playing basketball? So I, I wrote a song called Accordion Lessons all about this, but um, I'm still playing basketball, so I, it's funny 
how life is. But um, that's why I quit taking lessons. And then, uh, but my parents did buy me a keyboard, like an electric keyboard, because the accordion has no volume buttons on it. And they were sick of hearing the accordion. <laughs> so um, anyway, so then I, I went to college and um, I went to Rutgers and, the, and there were music buildings with practice rooms in them. And I could go in and sit down to a grand piano um, that was in a, like a soundproof room wow. and just play to my heart's content. So I, I got classical sheet music and I taught myself to play the piano. Um, and were you majoring in music at that point? Yeah, when I first started, but like I said, I was, uh, I was out of that pretty quickly because it was very, very strict and it was only classical music and it was um, very... And know, I'm guessing uh, you were playing piano, not accordion for that? Yeah. 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 But I, I, I dropped out right away. I went, I went from my, my music classes, I went into like non-major music classes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I took a couple more, but then I found, and it was too late to change my major or anything, but I found a jazz program on a different campus. Mm. Uh, and that was amazing. I, my, and I had to talk to the professor to even be able to, to take the class because I wasn't a music major at, at that time. And I brought him sheet music of songs that I writ, had written. And I said, I'm really serious and I, I love this and, and I would really want to take your class. And, I remember him looking at, through the sheet music and saying, you've got a real talent for melody <laughs> just by looking at the songs that I had. And um, he said, yeah, you can take my class. And, nice. and there were times, and this, um, so I didn't know, but I mean, he turned out to be one of the greatest, Kenny Barrett, um, jazz pianist, some people think he's he's the best living jazz pianist. And what was his name again? Kenny Barron. Kenny Barron. Forget my ignorance. I'm. I, and, I, I don't know. No, I mean I don't think jazz. You know, serious jazz musicians are that well known, but they're incredible. And he, there were times in his class where he'd go, "I'm going to play these chords." And then he'd point to you and you would jam with him. And uh -huh. that was like, oh my God, you know, we were talking about fish out of water stuff. And then he would give assignments like, you know, write, um, you know, 32 bars of, uh, for these four instruments um, with these chord progressions or this type of chord progression or something. And I'd, I'd sit there at the piano and, struggle with each note and I, but i do the assignments and um that was cool yeah anyway i i mean i i really wanted to be i knew i wanted to be a songwriter and 
you know, musician, but I didn't know. I also, I played football for Rutgers. So that took up a lot of my time. And so when I graduated, it was like, well, how do I do music? And I couldn't figure it out before I had to pay the rent. Yeah. And what did you end up majoring in when you, when you left music? You know, I try. I changed a few times, and I kept trying to figure it out. I I ended up in um, with a major in economics and a minor in some kind of business management. Gotcha. And then, so how did you eventually you found your way to IT to information technology and, and yeah. Well, that. I I took classes in college, but. I mean, back then it was like to get on a terminal for a mainframe computer, I had to take a 45 minute bus ride. And and the classes were like, you know, 8.30 in the morning on a Friday and I'd have to get up and take the bus. And, Oof, yeah. Um, you know, and I probably had a couple of beers the night before and no, uh, <laughs> not yet <laughs> but i love you know i like the logic of of the computer you know writing programs and stuff like that but i uh, i said no i i'll learn it on the job if i if it gets to that and then um i think i told you the story of how i got my first job they were looking for computer, you know, for developers and who didn't have experience in IBM because it was a competitor of IBM. So um, they asked me things like, do you play chess? Do you play a musical instrument? And I said, oh, I play several musical instruments and I compose music and I can write out the scores and and the two people I interviewed with that day both made me job offers the next day and fought over me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then, and they trained me to, you know, um, to write computer programs and, and be an analyst. And then I was a database of, you know, I, I went through um, several jobs, more and more technical, and um but but you know music is a lot like math and i also i i took three semesters of calculus in college and my favorite subject i took a year of astrophysics and that i loved it wow. you know but f- music you, you study music and physics it's um it's divisions of time and waves and it's all about the frequency of the wave determines what note it is. And like high C and middle C are, uh, one is twice as many vibrations per second as the other one. That's what makes it the same note. And, huh. uh, you know, it's just, it's all math. It all makes sense to you. Yeah, and then, but then there's the whole, you know, just the feeling and emotional and, and uh, the way that 
that music, you know, connects people and makes you feel that is completely separate from all that. Yeah. But the underpinnings of it is is math. So anyway, so I, I had all these IT jobs and I I learned I think I think I was got more and more technical to avoid the whole politics of it's like if you if you were really good and really technical and knew stuff that other people didn't know, you didn't have to, you know, you could sort of avoid the corporate politics oh, in a way. Interesting. You know, it was like they put up with all your stuff because they needed to. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, anyway. That's interesting. And then, and then I got into, um, I was an IT auditor for years. Um, and I got into that because I like to travel. And my first job was traveling all over the world to data centers. And, and then I learned that, wow, it's kind of like being a detective. And you catch people who aren't following the rules and nobody's making sure that you're following the rules, which is great for me because I'm, you know, I'm a rule breaker. Mm-hmm. And I could be creative. <laughs> so anyway. So you, so you, you had this this turning point in college where you you could you had a fork in the road, and 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 you went you went business, which turned into IT, and then all along there's this there's this music thing, right? And you didn't stop writing music that that kept going. Yeah, there was a period, and that's what led up to this time when I said, what am I doing? I'm spending so much time with my job and my career. And and I had also, you know, I raised a son, and, um, you know, I had other stuff going on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I I went through a period where I was like, I got to put my – my son through college at some point and I want to, I want to retire and I don't have that much money saved up. And so I focused on that. Mm-hmm. There was a lot. So there was, you know, maybe five or six years where I just abandoned my songwriting and uh, I still, I still played. I used to get hired to play the piano at like, fundraisers and mostly cocktail hours and Mm -hmm. um but um i said this is not you know uh, that's what i really want to do and i kind of realized as my son got older i I said you know if i have grandchildren am i going to tell them about some project i did at work like they don't they're not going to understand it or care about it or anything what do i want my legacy to be and and mm-hmm. um, can i play somebody a song and make them laugh or smile or something or you know really i mean i've never been able to the last 20 years of my career, I couldn't explain to my friends or anybody or my family what I did. They didn't really understand what I did, you know. Right, right. Information security. 
Yeah. So, Did you, well, here's the more important question. I mean, to me, cause for me, it was always, I've always been driven by, you know, I, I wanted to move to New York when I was probably six or seven years old. And for me, I, you know, I grew up out West and, and that was a big, that was a big move, you know? Um, for me, the decision to uh, sell everything I owned and make the move and, it was a big decision for a lot of reasons and but i couldn't imagine in a similar way i didn't think about grandchildren at the time but i couldn't imagine being 80 years old and looking back and not having taken that chance yeah and so i guess the real question i wonder about with you is were were you even though it was something you couldn't explain to people it sounds like you got a certain amount of satisfaction for yourself from what you were doing or, or was it missing something? Was it miss? was music still there? Just like calling to you that siren song, you know, was it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, I, yeah, I, I, I was able to be, um, you know, creative. I designed systems and processes and, and stuff and it it was somewhat rewarding but that music was always there um definitely calling and um you know because there's all the stuff that goes around with uh goes along with a corporate job the you know the red tape and the um the people that, uh, you know, feel like you have to be in your chair for eight hours or, you know, just uh, there was a lot to it that drove me crazy. The paperwork, the, you know, the administrative stuff, some of the meetings that were ridiculous, you know, it, um, um, so it, it was always calling to me and I, I in a way I'm you know I, I wish I had done it sooner in a way and I didn't really take that that leap like you did I had a lot of responsibilities and um, but on the other hand now and and like there's things I've learned and one of them is I've been working with um, a guy who sort of mentors me and he does um, he plays instruments on my albums and he records some of this stuff he has he has a studio and his his job his career has been music but it's um, he plays in bands or you know, plays out and stuff, but his job is making soundtracks for infomercials. That's how he makes his money for the most part. And I said to him, you know, we were sitting in his studio working on one of my songs and I said, well, it's so great that you've been able to make music your life and your career and everything. And he turned to me and he said, are you kidding me? So I wanted to be a rock star, <laughs> not write jingles. And, you know, he said, you get to write whatever you want to write with whoever you want to write with and record who you want to write with. 
And you know what? That's what I really love. Like, uh, you can see my background here. I, on this last album, I, I co-wrote a lot of the songs and I worked with a lot of different musicians and stuff. And, and I just, I enjoyed working with everybody. I enjoyed spending the time and, and, uh, you know, sharing, you know, and you've got to get to know each other a little and share pieces of your life and your stories and then figure out what you want to write about or, you know, it's, it's, um, it's really the people, uh, that make it worthwhile. And the connections. And if you were having to do it to sustain your life with money and, and pay bills, then it would have a different, a different feeling, right? Yeah. And I, I mean, I still, like, I think at first I thought, well, you know, hopefully in a couple of years, I'll be making money on it. And that sort of became a lower and lower priority. Um, and I still, it's still, I would be really nice. Sure. <laughs> uh, but I realized that, you know, because I signed up for these, um, you know, workshops and um, um, I joined taxi.com where they, they hook musicians, songwriters up with um, people looking for music for their films or their shows or commercials or whatever it is. Uh -huh. And I don't know, I just learned that, well, I don't want to write a song for the purpose of it fitting you know, being the type of song that somebody's going to want to put in a commercial or a TV show or something. Yeah. I want to write a song that means something to me. And if it, if that happens, it happens. But, you know, and as I get better and better at, at songwriting, that's more likely to happen, I think so. I've decided just to focus mostly on the, you know, the writing and the recording um, and the rest of it, maybe it'll come. Yeah. So when you made this shift, I mean, you, since 2019, June, you've been doing this full time. Yeah. What was that shift like? Well, I mean, I was trying to think there's a lot of skills that could carry over. Um, and write, songwriting, you use every experience and every, you know, thing you've learned your whole life um, can go into a song. Um, but there were definitely like project management is one. And I guess, you know, the hard thing was figuring out, well, how am I going to structure my days? And am I going to have like a schedule? I was used to like working nine to five, sort of. Um, you know, so there was that. And then what, how do I know what to do when I get up? 
in the morning. Yeah. You know, there was a, yeah. it, it was very, it's very different in that aspect. And, um, oh, yeah, I can relate. So, so going back, um, when I went full time with photography, I, uh, it was, um, the company that I was working for, uh, they had a restructuring and they let me go. And I, I had taken that job thinking it was going to be a part-time job and I was going to ramp up the photography business, but that job ended up being full-time and I, and I liked it actually. It was, it was great. And I could have stayed there a long time. Didn't work out. So all of a sudden here I am and I'm unemployed and I'm, but I'm, unemployed in Greenland. No, I can't say unemployed without wanting to say that. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I'm like, wow, this, this is my chance. This is it. This is where I've been saying, I'm almost ready to do this. I'm almost ready to go full time. And I just didn't, I never felt like quite ready, you know, mm -hmm. but I was like, well, okay, let's do this. And then all of a sudden, like you said, it was like, what do I do with my days? How do I, how do I structure this? That's like, it was a seismic shift to, because any of the business that I'd had for photography had been word of mouth. I had never, I hadn't been marketing. I hadn't been doing any of that stuff. And all of a sudden I had to learn how to get the word out you know, how to generate business. Um, yeah. so, and, and how to not go and do a load of laundry and, you know, do something else around the house. Um, did you, were you finding that to be a challenge when you, when you first were home? No. And I actually like that. I mean, I like that some days I can get up and, um, you know, decide that I'm going to do other stuff and all well, music can wait till tomorrow or, you know, I can be recording for a while and then go, you know, I should do a load of laundry or whatever. And nobody's there to say, well, no, you're, you know, you're on the clock. Did um, you, would you say that what you did is retired and then, and then now what you've done in your retirement is you're taking on music? Yeah, so but you know not... what I I started doing the mute like I put out my first album in uh 2017, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I was already on that path. Just not and, full time. Yeah, just not full time. And I was there were times when I was really, really working hard on my music and I, you know, I'd look at the clock and, oh, it's three in the morning. Um, and I got to get up for a meeting at 8.30. Um, uh -huh. And the nice thing was the last couple of years, I was working mostly from home. Um, uh -huh. I'd say the last year I, I had a, um, I was reporting to a vice president who was in Minneapolis and he didn't know where I was. I mean, I, you know, I had everything set up, so my calls came here by, you know, I, I was chatting online or whatever. He, I could have been anywhere. And, uh, and people were, the culture was resistant to that in a way, but IT was way out ahead of other parts of the business who may be catching up in this era. <laughs> right. 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 But, 
I um so I looked at it more like oh I'll go you know I'm going from part time to full time and I really threw myself into it. Um, now I'm you know trying to take a step back and say you know I've got to do other things too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. Uh, and and what you were talking about, you know, the way I look at it, there's the songwriting. And that's a whole animal in itself. Um, I, you know, and I'm learning and I'm sharing and I'm co-writing and all that stuff. And then, and I'm, I'm, I'm in all these song circles where you share, oh, I'm working on this song and people give you feedback and you give them feedback. And, and all that and then you know then there's the recording that i really like and then there's the performing and then there's all that business stuff around well if you are performing you've got to kind of schedule things and you know um you know when you talked about marketing and i have a website i haven't done a whole lot with it but um but I, tr you know, I really tried to use some of the skills like project management and software were the main, you know, skills that I, well, some of the skills that I was using at my old job that really transferred. Like when, when you produce a song, it's really project management. It's like, yeah. oh, send, find a person to do this piece of it and you farm that out and you farm this out and, and so i used those skills and then the software you know like I, I i built my website it it could do a lot more and i want i want to do more with that um but then there's the uh you know i bought final cut which is a, a video Mm -hmm. software that I want to make you know I originally thought oh every song I do I'll make a video for it and I'll, and um but I've been writing but you've been so, prolific oh my gosh I was looking at you've written hundreds of songs and released 70 of them in four albums since 2017 is that right on yeah, but that was before the last. I think. And then before th that doesn't even include your latest album. So how many? Yeah, because in the past, in the past like ten months, I've released sixty songs. Jeez. So I probably have to update my uh, my website. Um, but well, this one just dropped yesterday. COVID co-writes. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've co-written in the last three or four years. I've probably co-written 60 or 70 songs. Wow. And some of them are not quite finished. And that's my, I was going to do this year, I was just going to work on <laughs> finishing the co-writes and uh, making like a double album of, co-writes and then the pandemic happened and i was networking and with people on zoom and all these song circles and stuff and the opportunities just presented themselves to write new songs plus i was motivated to write new songs it was always inspiration and uh, so i wrote all 
bunch of new songs and <laughs> but I still have those other ones to go back to so yeah. I, I'm hoping to do the double album by the end of this year and make a like a double CD of the co-writes yeah yeah Oh my goodness! Going go so so. I'm gonna guess one of the ones I'm thinking of that I was I was thinking I may have you play, which I just we already talked about this, which I just love the title of. This is not one of your co-writes, I don't think. Right? This no. is all you. This is all you, Jay Stu Music. <laughs> this is um, since you're schizophrenic, I have to love you twice as much. Yeah, that's a love love song. (laughs) A love song to my ex-wife. I think I wrote during the divorce. (laughs) Oh my gosh! Can you can you uh, pull it up and and play it for us, and we'll hope for the best here. Sure. Okay. This is since you're schizophrenic, I have to love you twice as much. Roses are red till you turn them blue. Ought to write a book about the crazy stuff you do. With so much personality, there's you, and then there's you. It's time to run for cover when you throw in fits and stuff. And since you're schizophrenic, baby. I gotta love you twice as much I don't know who will answer When I call you on the phone I might hear horrible screaming Or sweet seductive tones I don't feel bad by leaving You could never be alone I try to be there for you but you need more than a crutch And since you're schizophrenic, baby I gotta love you twice as much awesome. Oh my goodness So I see, yeah, there's two more verses And they all end in something that rhymes with uh, much and, and I sing the hook that is hilarious. And I, you know, it was so funny because you and I have, have talked a little bit because you've sent me a few songs here and there. And, and I, and I was looking at your, one of your bits on your website today that says his voice is, and I had asked you about these. Um, his voice has been likened to Tom Waits, Leonard Cohen, Greg Brown, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> just i love it i love it i love that grapply thing and uh it's awesome and it's so well funny. they're they're some of my favorite songwriters and um and this was this was dan bernigan but he he um had an exercise we had 20 minutes to write a song this was a different retreat um a signature song where you did something that only you can do in in the song mm-hmm and I thought, oh. so I made no it pressure. real like, <laughs> yeah, 20, like, how do you, you know, know what only you can do. And I ran to my room and I had a keyboard there and I'm, I was like, oh, okay. No, I knew what I wanted to do. So when I was young, before I found the accordion, um, 
I wanted to be a comedian and I, I could do imitations and I used to keep my friends and family entertained for hours doing imitations of, you know, a lot of it was cartoon characters because that's what I was watching on TV. And, um, um, but it was celebrities too. And I thought, well, I'll do all these impressions. And <laughs> I did six different impressions and Dan was like, you gotta do three more, finish that song and do three more. Um, but I was in a workshop and this woman was trying to help me develop my voice, the, the, the instructor. And she said, um, I showed her the song with the, the imitations and she said, well, that's it. Find somebody that you want to imitate and sing like them. Huh. And, oh, okay. And then, and then um, also I, I got a cold at, at one point and was singing kind of gravelly. And I just sort of developed that gravelly voice um, and it works like yeah. people were trying to teach me how to project and how to breathe and the diaphragm and all that stuff. And I was like, I, I'm not an opera singer. Um, I'm going to sing, you know, since you're schizophrenic songs. And, um, but <laughs> I found something that I'm really comfortable with. And last summer I went to a retreat with all the, you know, well-known folk singers and stuff. And I had several of them come up to me and say, oh, man, I could just listen to you sing all day. I love your voice. And I had never thought of myself as a singer. And originally, my first album, I got somebody else to sing the songs because really? I didn't feel like a singer and like I could do a good job with huh. it and now i'm writing songs for me to sing you know so that's a whole nother like oh. evolution that's happened in just like a couple of years yeah. oh my gosh i love that i love that that is amazing i can't believe that your first album you didn't even sing on you know what i sang parts of two songs and then and i hated it I didn't want, I didn't like listening to it and I would skip over that part. And now um, I'm fine. I feel like, cause it's you sort of that. Your own. You, yeah. 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 And I almost feel like I'm playing a character and you were, you were an actress, right? So, you know, mm -hmm. it's a whole nother thing. And, and when you perform, you are like kind of a, persona on stage jay stew isn't really john stewart right it's sort of a um you know a version of myself but it's so i i play a character and that's easier for me than trying to be myself yes know? yes i totally get that totally get that wow wow that's amazing so how do you feel about coming into this um at and being older and coming into this music business where you are do you feel like that that's did, was that ever a, uh something that stopped you or is it just like kind of a now or never feeling what would you say you're 
Yeah, kind of now or never. Um, plus, getting older and, you know, realizing there's only so much time. Um, but there are still things like, you know, I still lean on the strengths that I have, but I'm learning, you know, I'm learning new things. And, you know, the, the voice is one of the things I've learned and I've adapted to. Um, performing is not something I'm crazy about. And it's partly because I feel like I've gotten to be a really good songwriter. I'm not a great performer and people expect me to be, <laughs> you know, as good as the songs I'm playing, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and what I've learned is that being up on stage and playing the keyboard and sometimes it's you know it can be pretty complex and singing and remembering the lyrics to you know however many songs it's it's not easy <laughs> and i'm getting better at it but it's uh you know i, I still feel like i'm i'm way behind where i should be with that so i don't i probably don't do it as much as i i should I, as a matter of fact this whole the covid thing has given me a pass you know like i was oh, gonna you know, say I, you've got total permission to not yeah. perform right now right so it's kind of it's kind of <laughs> nice just to focus on the songwriting and the recording and i love to do that but but you learn from the performances Mm -hmm. You know, you do, you do learn and, and I want to get back to that, but um, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you, what do you think? Um, what was I going to ask you? Oh my gosh, I lost it. Yeah, I totally well, lost I, it. I can tell you another, th I'm trying to think of the things I've learned, right? So another thing I learned, you know, any job you have to network, you know, and it's like that, the remote daily, the, you know, we've both networked there and that's how we mm -hmm. met each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, and I never really thought, you know, the, I think Eleanor and, and Dario are the only other musicians usually there. And that's how I got into remote daily. Um, and, and I love working with them, but I didn't, I didn't envision like meeting you and doing a podcast or anything like that. But so there's always networking that, you know, you're just meeting people and, and it's fun and um, you never know what's going to happen. And the thing that it's done for me most of all is I, I talked about these song circles and there, last night I went to an open mic um, that I go to fairly frequently. It's once a week usually. And is it and, an online open mic? Yeah. Cool. And I I was wanting to go to it. I I knew, you know, maybe a couple of people and I made friends on Facebook with the person who runs it. 
And I've been wanting to go to it, but it's in Jersey City. And I thought, I don't know. I'll probably have a couple of drinks. And if I do that, I won't, you know, I shouldn't drive home. And it's a whole thing. You know, Jersey City is only, you know, maybe 45 minutes or so away to pay but and you can't you can't park there either that's a whole nother but longer than an uber ride you want to take and right yeah Yeah. like so i just was putting it off putting it off and then it was online it was like i walked to my computer and i'm in the open (laughs) and um and the same way there was a couple of song circles that well now now i'm in one in denver and one in north carolina and you know there's real opportunity in this right isn't it incredible like here we are in this weird time where where you can actually expand your experience and how you're meeting people that's amazing yeah or you can just sit home and binge watch uh you know what i'm doing some of that too but yeah um, which is fun. Anyway, that the structure, the most structure I have these days is these pretty much every day I have, um, like I had a, a song circle with Eleanor this morning. Nice. Um, and, you know, I have one every day. And so I get, I try to get ready for that. I try to get a song that I can share. But what I found out about networking was that originally, like I didn't know how to network with other musicians because I wasn't really performing at first. And um, so I was going to see people. And what I found was, you know, the whole shift in the, in the music industry where it's really hard to make any money forces people to perform live. You know, it used to be like you could make enough money selling some CDs and stuff or selling Mm -hmm. your songs. You didn't have to go out and perform very much. But now people, and it's people, you know, people that were big in the 60s and 70s are touring, are making comebacks and touring because their money ran out or whatever. (laughs) um, Or they just enjoy it. And so I was taking advantage of that. Plus, if if you buy a CD or a T-shirt or something, they're happy to talk to you and you can get mm-hmm. to know people. And they might be like your idols or they could just be people that you really respect. And I was getting to know a lot of musicians that way. Um, but what I found was once you once you do that, you're a fan. And they always think of you as a fan. Mm-hmm. And then even if they find out, you know, you're performing or you're a songwriter or whatever, you're still like, they still think of you as being one of their fans. You're not a peer. Right. But right. if Where you the meet songwriting people, circles, then you're, then you're a peer. You're a peer. And yeah. meeting other people performing. Mm-hmm. And they think of you as a peer. And if you reach out to them and say, oh, could you play guitar on this track or on this song? Or, you know, um, would you want to write a song? They're much more likely to say, okay. Yeah. Well, why not? And now with, with um, since they're not touring, because... <laughs> 
then it's opened up all kinds of opportunities because they're looking to collaborate, but they can't do what they're used to doing. So I was I was finding people who were crowdfunding for an album or a project that they were doing, and um, and if they offered a Skype session, then um, and and once in a while they would say, "Write a song with me." Um, but sometimes it was just like, I'll give you a lesson or you can ask me questions or whatever it was. And most of the time, since they're songwriters and that's what they love to do, if I said, hey, let's write a song. I'm a songwriter too. Uh-huh. It usually worked. And I got some amazing people like uh, on this you know, Zoom thing, like, like that's um, Kara Granger. She's an amazing blues singer and guitar player. And, and this is Dana Fuchs, who has uh, played Janis Joplin in a, oh, wow. in a, in a play uh, off-Broadway. And what, in the meantime, what he's saying this is, and that is uh, behind. <laughs> that's okay, because this is all uh, audio. So behind John on his screen right now, he's got uh, a really cool kind of like zoom room looking uh layout of a bunch of different performers in their own space so it looks like a big zoom call and then up at the top it says covid co-writes <laughs> and that is the new album yeah that's the album cover for yeah but the, and these were people all over the world you know and and um so i was doing these skype calls with people in Australia and Europe and the West Coast or wherever they were. And then I started realizing, whoa, why should I drive to Brooklyn to write a song with somebody? We can each be in our own space and be comfortable and not have to travel and park and whatever else there is involved. Um, And I started doing that. this this one i'm pointing to a picture of mary bragg who's uh very big in nashville and she i flew to nashville and met with some songwriters and and recorded or you know wrote wrote these songs and i thought you know it's that's a fun trip but it's expensive (laughs) yeah you know (laughs) <laughs> just to go to Nashville for a few days to meet with some people, you know, and um, more and more I started doing the Skype things. Um, you know, this was before Zoom got big. I was going to say, so when you went to Nashville, was that pre-COVID or? Oh, yeah, that was. Yeah. Uh, so so the co-writing, like, you started before this, but it morphed and turned into like a Zoom experience or a Skype experience as you went. Yeah. Yeah. And um yeah, like she's in Nashville too. Um and but we did it all over Skype and then you know when they came to New York to perform, I would go see them and they go John, you know, and you'd actually meet them in person. That was cool, but it was also great just working with them um remotely and I started doing that more and more, and I started doing the um, the first song on this album is called My Virtual Band, who I wrote 
with her. And I and I brought the idea. I had a lot of the lyrics already and everything, but she t helped me turn it into a better song. I work with so many people in different places, and I can just email the basic song, and they can add their instrument or their vocal or whatever to it and send it back to me. And um, I was doing that. I was really getting good at doing that before COVID happened. So it was, it was an e that was an easy transition for me. How incredible and what a great, I mean, you must be learning so much working with other people um, and so many other people. That's what a great learning experience and to be able to, what a blessing. I mean, I, I feel so oddly 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 blessed by this time uh you know not to take away from the all the awfulness that is happening yeah. right now um but it's amazing like there's i can't wait to see the good that comes from this time for so many people from ways that you never would have you never would have predicted yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. And you can take advantage. A lot of these people I wouldn't know except, you know, because they are in different locations or whatever. But if it, if it wasn't for these new Zoom room, you know, sessions that, that I'm on and yeah, necessity and the, the, fact, the necessity of, of, of this has needed, you know, forced people to have to to step outside their norms and do things that they never would have done pre-COVID, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I mean that's what I'm talking about though, that opportunities presented themselves because here, you know, somebody is trying to make a living with their music and having a real difficult time because they can't tour and they don't know what else to do. And it's like, well, you know, you, would you like to do a track on a song or would you like to write a song or whatever? And um, sure. <laughs> I, I was bored, so sure. Yeah. But... <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, so cool. So yeah. COVID co-writes and then the other albums that you have, I want to respect your time. So um, we got Star Starstruck was 2017, right? And then Save Us. And your next album was Sonatas in Ursa Major. And then Dysfunctional Love Songs, which are the ones I'm more familiar with. And then COVID co-writes, which I can't wait to hear what you've been cooking up. Uh, yeah, I, well, so Dysfunctional Love Songs is, um, you know, a fun album. It's a lot of humor and, um, or just, you know, the things that go with a bad relationship. And, um, and this new album is really a mix of genres and, um, just you know uh, instruments and types of uh, types of songs and and you know there's political and you know I got most of the love songs or dysfunction I got those over with and this is completely different so Very hope you exciting. enjoy it 
I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, how can people get a hold of the album? It it's on. Um, it was distributed just about anywhere that you can download or stream music. You know, um, uh, including YouTube and Spotify and Amazon and iTunes and wherever. So <laughs> places go wherever you're getting your music. It's probably there, and it's is J J S T U. Um, and there's imposters. So if if it has a polar bear, it's it's the real deal. That is what I wanted to ask you. So the polar bear is your spirit animal. I I know. How? Why? Tell me more about the polar bear. We'll we'll end on that. Yeah, I mean, for one thing, I'm you know I'm kind of a a big guy, or you know, um, and probably built a little like a polar bear um but people just started calling me a polar bear I, I used to not get cold in the winter now I do but mm -hmm. um they'd be like you're a polar bear and and I just started paying more attention to polar bears it, and um I started taking my son to the zoo in Central Park they had th two or three polar bears there at the time and um they were fascinating you know and i just i just found myself more and more drawn and then um two years ago i took a trip to northern canada and got up close to uh, on my album cover there's two pictures that i took one i was looking down and the polar bear's face was about a foot and a half from me and the other one, he's standing up, putting his paws on the vehicle that I was in. And he was about nine feet tall standing up. And, wow. And he's, he's there like this, and he looks over at me, and I got the picture. Wow. <laughs> um, <coughs> so, um, so the, and then they, you know, they're, they're going through a rough, time with climate change um so they've sort of become a symbol for for climate change and um you know what we what we should be doing to help them yeah and that that added to it i think but polar bears polar bears and they are very they're very playful and they're intelligent, so they play like hide and go seek and stuff. And really? uh, we used to watch them. They'd go under water and go around the bend, and then jump out at the other one. And they do. It was they're amazing animals. Yeah. Wow, so cool! Oh man, I'm I'm just so glad we had a chance to go a little deeper. And I and and I feel like I know you so much better now. This is so cool. Yeah, well, I appreciate you inviting me, and I enjoyed it as well. I'm, I'm really glad to get to know you better. Well, there you have it. Thanks so much for listening. Um, hey, could you maybe take a second to leave a review or rating? And uh, yeah, that would be awesome. Um, next week... I'll be talking to Linda Rule Flynn of Floral Lee Studios. 
Linda inherited a business from her mother that she really thought she didn't want any part of. After her mother's death, she was faced with the choice of whether to close the business or keep it going. Join us next week to hear her story. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.